0: hey what's up liberty llamas patooey spitting in the face of the state right llamas do that or is it alpacas who alpacan cares anyway before we start electric liberty land episode number 151 i want to tell you guys during this open enrollment period for healthcare that has been foisted upon us by the government and by obamacare check out a longtime sponsor of our program, health excellence plus. Now you can join this during your open enrollment. If you're a government employee, if you have a corporate mandate that you have to do that. However, they do have year round enrollment and you're going to be saving yourself some money in all likelihood. I can't guarantee it, but I can almost promise it. You've got the McWilliams almost sign of assurance. And also, this is a free market solution. You can hear an interview if you're curious about how this is all working, how it's tying together that Mark just did with the founder of Health Excellence Plus over at lionsofliberty.com slash health. So check it out. Support a free market solution that's going to put you and your family in a better position moving forward in 2020. Would it ever be U.S. policy in your experience to ask a foreign leader to open a political investigation? There are proper procedures in which to do that. Uh, Certainly the, the president is well within his right to do that. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, And Liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Oh, welcome to Electric Liberty Land, episode number 151. You can find all the show notes for today's program at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL 151. And obviously there's procedures in place and I'm perfectly within my rights to slam down on the nonsense that's going on currently with the whole impeachment hearings things. Now, I don't want to make that really the the central topic of the show, but as it is a current events program and this is a current event, I feel the need to at least wax slightly poetic about it. I will tell you this, I've not been watching a single minute of these, these hearings except for the minute and 15 seconds that I played for you. Actually, I don't even think it's a minute and 15 seconds. That was the only video I've watched. And that was because I found it so entertaining. This Lieutenant Colonel, uh, nickname, don't call me, mister. I'm a Colonel Alexander Vindman, who was trying to vindicate himself, uh, in his role as a possible whistleblower. We don't know if it was him definitively, but it certainly seems like it might be, especially after Schiff and his lawyer said, <laughs> he told him to shut up when, uh, I think it was. I'm not sure exactly which which uh, senator was questioning him at the time, but somebody was questioning him about it, and they both told him to clam up because they didn't want him to implicate himself as a whistleblower. Now, what you heard there was Representative Jackie Speer, Spire. I don't know who cares. Uh, trying to get information out of him to say that oh, this is insanity to have. A policy, a policy wherein the president can open up and question that they look into a political investigation or a criminal investigation, and this guy says, "Well, it's perfectly within the president's rights to do that," as one would imagine it would be. And this is where this entire dog and pony show—you know—it's like you know, Vinman. There's there's stories coming out on both sides. Some say that it's a disaster for the Democrats. Of course, the uh, the all left-hand media always says, "Well, Vinman really." put a stake in the heart of the Trump narrative that that he wasn't trying to get any advantage for his political rivals. As I said before, and I'll say it again, every single president has used, whether it be foreign aid, whether it be troop deployments, whether it be any number of favors or cronies or whatever it might be, they've all used these tactics to get their way and to get information. Does it make it right? No. But It does make it a little bit hypocritical that we're spending all of this goddamn time after we spent all of that time on the Mueller report, $23 million, two years of all of our lives completely and utterly wasted on an investigation that was predicated on complete and total bullshit. To come back around to this, I'd say that this is the standard by which we will look to impeach a president. And never mind that the alleged whistleblower that it seems to be all the evidence adds up that the same nonsense report that was put together by Democrat opposition to t- Donald Trump, the same fusion GPS people were deeply connected with the would be whistleblower, who, of course, is a man by the name of Eric Ciaramella, who was working within the deep state. He is a working you know, work within the CIA. So it's not like he's somebody that just says, hey, you know, my, my heart is pure and golden. The guy's a fucking liar, works with fucking liars. He got in there during the Obama years and worked very closely with a woman named Victoria Newland. Or Actually, I shouldn't say worked closely. He was on a same email chain, which was targeted towards a loan guarantee of $1 billion to the Ukraine from the United States, celebrated this entire loan deal with all of these people. Now, Victoria Newland, who was the Assistant Secretary of State for the European Affairs, she had been getting all of her information from who? Ah, Christopher Steele. And additionally, Newland has a direct role in the dossier controversy. So this guy's on this email chain. He's interacting with all of these people because at the time, uh, back when he was with Obama, he was the director for Baltic and Eastern European affairs. So he worked on Ukraine policy. Now he's with the CIA. So this guy had a vested interest in everything he was working with for the Ukraine. He's positioned in this you know, under the Obama administration, working with people who collaborated on the dossier that was used to start this entire ridiculous charade about Trump collusion with Russia, again, based on nothing. And now he seems to be suspect number one, as far as who the actual whistleblower is. And this is due, you know, this is from a real clear politics report. Uh, this has been vaguely confirmed by other sources and we can't know for sure. But he seems to be the person that they're saying is the whistleblower. Naturally, the Democrats don't want the whistleblower's identity to come out. That is because of this. The connections are so deep and so uh, ominous as far as providing more information to us, more uh, motive for the deep state operative to take down Trump, who is now tearing away his previous life's work. Kind of looks like the guy might have had a bone to pick. You know, kind of like your ex-girlfriend coming out of the woodwork and trying to testify against you. You know, like maybe she still remembers your email password. (laughs) Now she's bringing bringing stuff to the forefront just to stick the knife in and give it a twist. But regardless of, of, you know, the testimonies that are going on, I can't bring myself to care about this shit. Like I said, every president has done it. It is utter hypocrisy to pretend that they haven't and to hold this out as some sort of standard that no president before has done it and none after Trump is deposed will ever dare do it again is ridiculous. Of course you are gonna get money. Something for nothing isn't a policy that works for anybody. Something for something, well, yeah, that's the way the world works. And for Donald Trump, and I said this many, many weeks ago, for Donald Trump, you're in a position where you go, okay, I had a deep state coup attempted against my presidency, which is de facto what it was, based upon this GPS document, and the Ukraine was involved in that. This is something that is uh, you know, virtually accepted as fact that the Ukraine played a role in this entire dossier situation. So for him to say, you know, I'd like you to look into that. I'd like you to take a quick peek and see what that looked like, who was involved in this, you know, trying to undermine my chances at becoming the president and continuing this investigation for two years. Doesn't seem out of the realm of possibility for me as something that a president would want to look into. And if he has to withhold some aid to make sure that happens, I don't see an issue with that either. Now, adjusting Joe Biden, again, we're talking about potential corruption. If anything, if you're Joe Biden and there's nothing there and you're running for president, well, then shouldn't you be like, yeah, go ahead, man. There's nothing shady here. Investigate me all you want. All it's going to do is make you look bad and me look exonerated. We're not seeing that, are we? No, we're seeing the Democratic establishment fight against that tooth and nail and say that somehow this only benefits Trump. Can somebody explain to me how a former vice president using his influence and using taxpayer dollars to buy his son a job at a Ukrainian gas company and threatening the Ukraine and getting prosecutors filed that are looking into it if they don't, and doing the exact same thing that Trump's doing, threatening to withhold the aid that's coming their way unless they get rid of this prosecutor, unless they stop looking into into his son's relationship with Burisma. Is that not something that we... Say you know, let's let's get to the bottom of that, because it certainly seems like Joe Biden gets a full time pass. Again, that's what I was saying weeks ago. Okay, so if you're running for president, Donald Trump's not allowed to look into anything he did in the past. You get out of jail free. If you know, it's like okay, let's say um, who's running now? Cory Booker. Let's say Cory Booker. Turns out, well, Cory Booker. Might have killed some hookers, put him in the trunk of his car, drove it off a bridge, exploded that thing. But you can't look into that. At least Donald Trump can't look into that because Cory Booker is running for president. I mean, I might go on a killing spree and then run for president and then just claim that Donald Trump is just trying to attack me by opening an investigation into my past because I am a political rival of his. It is ridiculous. The argument makes no sense. There you go, Joe Biden, run for office forever, man. Your past will never come back to haunt you. As long as Donald Trump's in office, as long as you're running for office in some way, shape, or form, be it whether it's the the corn cob queen of Poughkeepsie County, as long as you have that that in the running status to make sure that your cobs are the most beautiful, well-grown cobs on the market, and you want to wear the tiara, well, Donald Trump isn't allowed to look into you. So congratulations. It's just—it's just absolutely ridiculous. So while Donald Trump may benefit from a rival getting taken out of the race, just because you are a rival doesn't mean you get excused from any wrongdoing, and that we're never allowed to ask about it. And I—I I said it before, I'll say it: I don't know why nobody's making this point. Otherwise, you know, this whole thing—they did a poll. Nothing that's going to happen in these impeachment hearings is going to change anyone's opinion. I can tell you it's not going to change mine. They come back and they say, Donald Trump is dead guilty on this, and he did it. And he used his influence to try to have them investigate Joe Biden. Well, number one, I agree with investigating Joe Biden's shady shit in the past, so I don't have a problem with that. Number two, as I said before, every president does it, so I think it's ridiculous to make this out as something it's not. And number three, if we're talking about the issues of the day, most people... Don't give a shit about this. They're either in the Trump camp and nothing that's going to happen is going to change their mind or they despise Trump and nothing that's going to happen is going to change their mind. Just like with the Mueller report comes out, completely exonerates Trump. Yet, what do, what do we see? Do we see a lot of public opinion change? No. So something like 82% of people are completely staunchly in their spots. And in the meantime, while we're having this dog and pony show, you know, get get the circus going. Everything that actually matters is being overlooked. Here's the real question that comes out of this. Why do we have $50 billion to give to the Ukraine? Because there's some sort of lever against Russia? Russia's not affecting us. They're not affecting anything that goes on with us. The only thing Russia could possibly influence and we care about might be using the Arctic as some sort of military base, which is apparently that's the new frontier, everybody. So maybe that's one thing. They take over the Arctic. Okay. Otherwise, what? We already make more gas than anybody. We already have more oil production than than we input. We're a, a net exporter of oil. We have more than enough because of the fracking technology and probably addition of a little bit more offshore, offshore uh, drilling. It's not like we're cut off from the oil market. So if Russia teams up and somehow gets an advantage of the oil, I don't care. It doesn't affect me. Militaristically, they've got some nukes. Great. Do You think those, those nukes are super up-to-date? Do You think that they've got anywhere near the military power of the United States? Of course not. They're not the superpower they used to be. Yeah, they still a power? Of course they are. But they're a power in their region, and that doesn't affect me in any way. So why don't people concentrate on the things that really matter? Concentrate on the money that's being spent, the amount of countries that we give aid to for these quid pro quo agreements. Why don't we focus on something like the fact that while this entire bullshit show has been going on, the House just voted to re-up the Patriot Act. How about that? So while we're worried about Donald Trump and his investigations, we've now extended, well, it's not fully passed yet, but the House has voted to extend with very little pushback from anybody, except, oddly enough, I'll agree with the squad because a couple squad members pushed back against the Patriot Act, as did Justin Amash, but with very little pushback from anybody else. Went ahead, extended the Patriot Act, give that another few years, make sure that, th- that that doesn't have a sunset on it so that we get all our domestic spying apparatus back in the hands of the NSA and the CIA and the people that we now see have an agenda. We now see obviously can't be trusted. So let's just give that back to them. In addition to that, let's you know tack on another extra spending bill because the way the Patriot Act got passed, guys, is that they tied it in with this, quote unquote, you know, emergency spending bill to keep us going until December 20th as a government. And this is how these things always get snuck in. They always shoehorn this bullshit in, in bills that these people are too cowardly to stand up against because they don't want to have a government shutdown. Terrified of that, especially with an election year coming up. You can't have your parks shutting down in an election year. So they just pass it, push it forward, this cowardice uh, leaks out of their bodies, puddles on the floor under them. Just absolutely disgusting. Not only that, but I mean, how about in the in the interim, since this, this thing's been going on, how about Trump pardoning people for war crimes? Does anybody want to talk about that? No? I mean, you'd think that Trump's giving a pass to somebody. I'll, I'll give you an example. This is from antiwar.com. This story is just, it made me so furious. He pardoned Major Matthew Goldstein, who was being held on charges of murdering an Afghan detainee, which he admitted to doing repeatedly so here's what happened this guy was told by an afghan tribal leader that the victim rasul was taliban he detained him on that basis now of course after a maximum time of detention without charges the military requires that this man be let go apparently he wasn't in guantanamo you know nobody gets out of there but he's required to let him go so goldstein let them go the guy walks out thinking he's free because they have no charges against him other than one guy Saying that this man was a Taliban. One tribal elder who might have had a personal vendetta, who knows? Says this guy was Taliban. Goldstein lets him go and then follows him outside the base, ambushes him, and fucking kills him. And he's it, this guy's trying to argue that he was this was illegal under the guise that this this man Rasul, the suspect, was trying to rejoin the Taliban since he was released. Now, grant you, how this man could have. Join the Taliban in such an, an immediate time frame where, you know, somehow became Taliban immediately. What you a text cell phone? 1-800-TALIBAN probably gets you right on board with them back in the saddle. They ship you a turban, airdrops, like an Amazon airdrops, a, a Taliban uh, turban falls on your head. Your beard grows out like fucking Jekyll and I. Your fingernails get long. It's like American Werewolf at Palace. I'm Taliban, Ooh! It's so stupid. So, this guy's arguing that he killed him because he was joining the Taliban again. Uh, it's just, there are no words. So, Trump pardoned him. This man who clearly committed a war crime, clearly murdered somebody in cold blood, admitting to doing so. That's who gets pardoned. Nobody's reporting on that, only anti war. Everybody else is actually, and it's not even like people are paying attention to this this hearing, by the way. All the media can talk about is these impeachment hearings. And all we're seeing results-wise as far as ratings, maybe the heart, you know, like the the deeply Trump derangement syndrome people are watching. But even them, I think most of them are checking out. I mean, the, the ratings are terrible for it. Uh, the clicks are terrible for it. Most people that if you ask them, they don't care. They'll wait till it's over. They know this is bullshit. So it's not going to take an interest, nor should they. <laughs> it's just absolutely absurd. And I do believe that this is galvanizing Trump's base even more. And I do believe that at the end of the day, the Democrats are going to look so stupid for this thing. Because any thinking person that doesn't have the TDS can look at this and go, this is a non-story. I'd rather see what happens with Joe Biden and his son. I want to know about that Honestly and truly, I want to know about the Ukraine's involvement in this whole dossier and GPS thing. I I want to know about that far more than I care about Trump wanting to investigate it and withholding money from the Ukraine, which they didn't even know about, by the way. They didn't even know the money was being withheld for months. And then they released the money anyway. So, I mean, what kind of a threat is that? I'm going to threaten you. I'm going to walk behind you with a knife held to your throat, right? Just below the eye line, for two months. And then after those two months, I'm going to take the knife away and give you a cookie. What the fuck are we even doing here? What are we talking about? All right. That was too long. Ah, damn it. Every time, guys, I can't stop myself. I can't stop myself from jabbing on. All right. Let's talk about something else. Let's talk about, uh, how about, a brand new government organization that would actually, I, I i can't call it that yet. It's not in, it's not in effect yet, but a new bill would create a new government organization called the digital privacy agency, which would be designed to enforce privacy rights. Now on the surface, that sounds pretty good, right? Okay. A new government agency that that's going to protect our privacy. That's going to get between big tech and all of us little idiot consumers. And let me read you a little bit about the the bill that's called the Online Privacy Act. Here's what it says within. This is what the the goals of the organization and the bill would do. Articulate the need for and minimize the user data, collect these entities, collect, process, disclose, and maintain. Minimize employee and contractor access to user data, not disclose or sell personal information without explicit consent, not use third-party data to re-identify individuals, not process data in a way that that violates civil rights, E.g. employment discrimination. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I don't, even, I don't even understand what that point of that bullet is. Only process genetic information in limited circumstances. Use objectively, and that one I actually do understand because of 23 uh, and Me, uh, for example. If people take that the wrong way, let's say they're doing data harvesting. They're telling you, okay, you're more likely to have cancer, right? they could use that, sell it to insurance companies, and now your insurance company could deny you coverage because you have a pre-existing condition in their mind or you're more likely to get X, Y, and Z. That's what that means. Use objectively understandable privacy policies and consent processes and may not use, quote, dark patterns, unquote, to obtain consent. I don't know what that is. I'm presuming it's some sort of witchcraft. Um, Still, dark patterns, man. Sometimes you just got to go to the orgy and, you know, if you get dark patterned in, maybe you find out that, you're open, you know, more open to some experiences than you thought. Maybe, maybe a little bit of dick is what you need, and you just didn't know it. Employ reasonable cybersecurity policies to protect user data and notify the agency and users of breaches and data sharing abuses, e.g. Cambridge Analytica. Now, this all sounds fine on the surface, right? Except for the fact that it would authorize a new agency to do this, the Digital Privacy Agency, which would hire up to 1,600 employees. Of course, that's not all. Because if you're also saying that this bill would prohibit people from using personal information and selling it without explicit consent, what does that exactly mean? Because we all read a user agreement, right? There's a a reason that exists. And if you're going to deprive companies of being able to easily use and distribute that data, how are they supposed to make any money? I mean, my cursor reaction even on reading this, is pure and simple. Fuck this. Another government agency, right, which is going to quote unquote protect privacy. Now, we always know that these things get demonized, these things get cronized, cronized, cronyized. I don't know. There's got to be a word in there that makes sense somewhere. The cronyism sets in. And what ends up happening is that these privacy protections are going to be applied to companies, to to stop them in their tracks of regulation, competitors to the big tech, which can go out of their way to make sure that they agree to all of this, that they can you know dodge the legal ramifications. It's going to be targeted because they're going to have reports on competitors that they want to go say, okay, let's sick the uh, digital privacy uh, agency on them. It's kind of like sicking the SEC on somebody that you don't like. That's <laughs> like swatting a gamer you don't like. So I can see that also coming to to, uh, to fruition. And it's like they think that we don't have protections, but consumers... You know, it's up to us. It's not up to the government to protect us from voluntary interaction with companies. Nobody is forcing us to download these fucking apps. Nobody's forcing us to go and put all of our personal data out there. We have opted into that. Only a moron would go on Facebook and say, well, I don't want my personal information being out there. Okay, well, you know, there's there's settings so you can prohibit that. So read what you could do. Read what you can't do. Instagram for a long time had a policy wherein they would share your photos. They could legally share them for profit. People found out about it, and guess what happened? They stopped doing it because people said, this is bullshit. The same thing can happen here, wherein we don't need big daddy government to step in. What we do need is companies to be able to make money off of these products. Otherwise, we won't have them. Now, I can't definitively say my life is better because of Facebook or Instagram. I'd say they're probably definitively worse other than maybe interacting with our wonderful Pride uh, supporters and our lovely Lions of Liberty Facebook forum, which you can join by going to Facebook and typing in Lions of Liberty. Tell them Brian sent you from Electric Liberty Land. Hmm, There you go. And of course, interacting with our Pride members. You can join the Patreon people, get into the secretive Pride group. As little as $2, go to patreon.com forward slash lions of liberty. Now, then, I am much happier having all the collective policies in place that these companies use to get data out of me by voluntarily using their service in exchange for them mining that data because I'm happy that I have. Google maps and Apple maps to go around. I'm happy that I have all of the different variety of services like Yelp and everything else that I use that, that people do mine data out of they get marketing information out of me. They can target me with things. It makes my life easier. I'm well aware of what is going on with these things. I am willing to make that exchange. And if the government gets in here and starts limiting everything that these companies can do and collect, they're just going to go out of business. They're gonna stop innovating. They're gonna stop creating. When you get rid of the competitive advantage for companies that come up with a fantastic product that everybody wants, then we just have don't, don't have those products anymore. They're gone. I got to go back to having the freaking, I gotta I remember what the maps are called in the day, reaching down between my car seats, getting bit by the scorpions I keep under there to pull out a freaking paper map, unfolded it on the street, get mugged by somebody that thinks I'm a tourist. No, thank you. Now, there's another thing, too, I want to talk about while I'm on this topic of digital regulation, and that is Andrew Yang, who I tweeted at, because some of you probably saw it if you follow me on Twitter, which is just at Brian McWilliams, because I'm so important. I was able to get an easy Twitter handle with my name, (laughs) tip my ashes on the rest of you. But Andrew Yang, who, of course, posted the stupid Twitter status, which is, I'm just trying to give everybody money. What's the problem? I told him, you know, the problem is it's not your fucking money. (laughs) It's not your money, Andrew. It's our money. All you're doing is confiscating money from some people to give to other people. Everybody's not getting money from you. Utter, utter tripe. But he's got this new concept, the Department of the Attention Economy. And of course, it starts off with trying to attack Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, which essentially is what allows for internet free speech by differentiating between publishers and platforms. And if you, basically you guys probably know what this is, but if I was going to sum it up for you, it's just the simple concept. If you're a platform, what people put on your platform, if they publish something on their own, they write it on your platform. You are not responsible for that, right? Somebody posts an ad for an underage sex kitty orgy, right? On Facebook. And then turns out, whoops, that is true. That is exactly what they're posting. There were underage minors there. This is in fact a heinous act. You're not liable. You're not the publisher. You were simply a platform for people to share. All of these lefties want to attack this and make it into a scenario where in kind of like back pages, how they got taken down, which was total horseshit too. What, a, what an absolute travesty that was for guys who bent over backwards and were more active in taking down content that they saw as being uh, illegal or being for the solicitation of minors. And they still went to jail because the government's corrupt, but all these, all these, all these publications, all these platforms, publications, you are the ones creating the content, right? You approve everything that's posted on there. You're the editor. You're the publisher platforms, free speech. You cannot be held liable. Otherwise you would have people being sued left and right. You could sell something. If you sold a used knife on Facebook and somebody got stabbed with that knife, then you could sue Facebook for having been the go-between for that knife being sold to somebody that was a psychopath saying, oh, well, you allowed this to happen. You permitted it. It's just an idiotic concept on its face. And by the way, fuck the Supreme Court, by the way, because the ability for people to go ahead and sue Remington over the Sandy Hook shooting has gone forward. It's going forward. It's proceeding, which again is pure and simple madness, madness. But I've already talked about that before. I'm not going to get on that. I don't have enough time in this episode. We got to record our Thanksgiving day show with Johnny rocket and uh, Raylene Lightheart in just a little bit. So I got to, I got to pump this out so I can record another one right after it. So anyway, getting back to the main point, Andrew Yang starts off attacking 2:30 just stupid. And then he goes on. So then the same document, he also proposes to create a department of the attention economy. What a name, Andrew, what a name, <laughs> but focus specifically on how to responsibly design and use smartphones. Cause you know, apparently our smartphones aren't responsibly designed. They're just designed to be good, you know, for people to use them and accomplish what they want to do with a computer. That's incredibly powerful in their hand. So he wants to, specifically focus on how to responsibly design and use smartphones, social media, gaming, and chat apps. It will include overall guidelines as well as age-based ones. And then provide regulation on design features that maximize screen time for young people, removes autoplay for children under 16, removes cues that allow infinite scrolling. Now this is the same as this asshole Josh Howley's prediction or Haley, I can't remember, I think it's Howley. This goes very much lockstep with this asshole who I talked about on a previous show talking about how stupid these proposals are and how, again, like anything else, they simply eliminate the ability for these companies to make money. But goes on more, takes the artificial intelligence and machine learning to determine when children are using devices to cap screen hours a day. So he basically wants an AI nanny installed with this service, kind of like, remember, they used to have the, uh, the TiVo boxes or whatever it was called, where people could control the content and lock out what their children saw. Except it's like that, but artificial intelligence. So the government now is going to come in and regulate how, long, how many hours children can be looking at a screen a day. Now, that seems to me like it's something that a parent should decide and should read up on whether or not it's a good thing or not. But also, what have you just had people that are developing new concepts? Maybe they want their kids to be on a screen time. Maybe they have a new app that they download, which is going to turn them into little super brain babies. Whatever it might be, it's not the government or Andrew Yang's role to dictate how many hours our kids get to look at TV screens. Next, establish rules and standards around kid-targeted content to protect them from inappropriate content. Again, you know, there's already these things in place. Public decency laws are already in place. They already require, you know, a lot of education and degrees and psychology to go into children's content and children's TV. I know this because I worked with children's fucking programming in my public relations career before. There's a lot of hoops you gotta jump through. Now, to get kid-targeted content, to protect them from inappropriate content. I don't know. What, I mean, if people are going to sneak in shit in the middle like Tyler Durden and Fight Club, if they're going to sneak in dildos in the middle of Lilo and Stitch, they're going to do that regardless of your fucking regulations. All you're doing is making it more difficult for people to put products out there onto the market that, again, might be more innovative, might be interesting, might be the next SpongeBob, but you're going to stay in the way of that because you don't think that that's appropriate. Now, we all know some of the best children's TV is also the, t- the TV that sneaks in little inappropriate jokes here and there. Rocco's Modern Life, for example, hilarious show, sneaks in some pretty dirty jokes for a kid show that was on Nickelodeon. But that's what gives it its attractiveness to adults. That's what makes it tolerable. And as you get older, you don't get the jokes when you're a little kid. You don't get choky Chicken, the chicken place in Rocco's Modern Life. You don't realize that that's a joke that's about masturbation until you're older. And then you look back and you go, that was pretty funny. SpongeBob. I still watch SpongeBob sometimes in the morning. For years, I watched it every morning because it was a good way to start my day. Bright, sunshiny, upbeat, funny enough for me to watch as an adult. I don't want children's content that is just developed for moronic three-year-olds all the time. I will go insane when my daughter's here. And I don't need the government stepping in to try to protect my children from content which I can step in and realize what they're watching. Because, you know, that's my role as a parent. Next, require platforms to provide guidance on kid-healthy content for parents and provide incentives for companies that work to make user data of minors available to their parents. So basically, they want you to be able to spy on your kids. I don't even know what guidance on kid-healthy content means, nor do I really understand why platforms should have to provide this. Is this like when you're making broadcasters on the airwaves intentionally include PSAs? I don't want that. I don't want to see it. I don't want it force-fed to me. And then lastly, include classes on the responsible use of technology in public school curricula and teach children how to distinguish reliable from unreliable news sources online. How does one decide what is unreliable or reliable as far as a news source? And I'm supposed to believe that the government, by virtue of this, is going to choose only the most reliable sources and not sources that are more favorable to government and the government narrative, or that the teachers in the school are going to get to pick what they dictate is real or fake news, reliable or unreliable. When we know that the education complex is 99.9% ultra liberal. Fucking stupid. Just, I mean, talk about turning the indoctrination centers as they are into something that's even more pronounced. I'm cursing a lot this episode, by the way. Sorry. I don't know. I'm just riled up and pissed off. So, We're supposed to believe that the indoctrination centers as they exist now, they are going to somehow get better with this legislation rather than get infinitely worse as they now dictate content. They tell us, tell our children what not only what is real and not real as far as history, not only what is real and not real as far as gender, what is real and what is not real as far as science, what is real and what is not real as far as news sources now also will fall under their purview. No, thank you, Andrew. You know, I know some libertarians have a soft spot for Andrew Yang. Not me. Not me. Go back to your doctor family or whatever you said. I think he said his family were all doctors. Renew a lot of doctors. Go back to your doctor family. Go back to your tech startup. Go do whatever you want, man. You develop your own free market app that people can voluntarily log on to that can do all of this shit. But don't force it down my throat by virtue of government force. So as I said in my tweet to Andrew Yang <laughs> that earlier this week, eat a dick, Andrew. Oh, yeah, you guys know what the disco funk means. That means it's time for me to tell you about the free man beyond the wall. Actually, I, I, I'm pretty sure he's still beyond the wall. I've been talking about this podcast for a while. Of course, our friend Mance Raider, now known as Pete Quinonez, I'm never going to say his name right. I've de- I decided this. We talked it We talked it over internally, and we, we decided I'm never going to say his name right. Anyway, <laughs> uh, presuming he is still behind the wall and hasn't got, made it over the wall, uh, whether voluntarily or being chased by a giant, check out this podcast. Pete's over there. He's doing great work. Of course, he is also the editorial director over at the Libertarian Institute. He has posted some fantastic articles, doing a lot of writing. I swear to God, I don't know if he never sleeps. Between the podcasts, between the memes, between the, the writing of articles. I don't know. Whatever he's smoking, I need some of it. Pete, hit me up, man. Send me some of that shiz. But regardless, he's putting out some amazing content, speaks to some fantastic guests, uh, interviews, people that are all across the spectrum. So check him out. Go to freemanbeyondthewall.com or anywhere your podcasts are available, Freeman Beyond the Wall. Welcome back to Electric Liberty Land, episode number 151. God, we're already 37 minutes in. I got to wrap this shit up. (laughs) I have no voice for this next show. Uh, Yeah, go to the show notes, lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL 151. And by the way, guys, if you haven't, because I know I dropped the Rick and Morty uh, bonus pride special for you to check out some of our bonus content, because we're doing those We'll do every Rick and Morty recap. Me and Dan Smotz over at the System is Down podcast. We do every South Park recap. We do every uh, Rick and Morty starting this season. So if you're a Rick and Morty fan, you probably wouldn't like my review of episode one. uh, But I do encourage you to check it out. I watched episode two today. Not to spoil it, but I liked it a lot better. I don't know if it was this funny, but I, I liked it better as far as content. But... I know between those two shows dropping, you may have missed my having Ryan Long on, who's a very funny comedian from Canada, who did just some of the funniest uh, man on the street segments I have ever seen going to the impeach Trump protests, which apparently they do every single week, <laughs> every single week. And you're like, what is your life like where you have your time instead of going to happy hour with your friends, you go out and you. Walk around with a placard yelling about impeaching Trump, but he went out and he's just fucking with these people, and it is absolutely hilarious as is his stand-up comedy. So he was a great guest on the show. I will put that in the show notes as well. So check that out. That was episode number one fifty, and uh, and also he, he had, was interacting with some people on Twitter that it, the, listened to the episode. Some libertarians had sent him some questions on Twitter, and uh, you know he's just a great guy, open-minded guy, as you could probably tell from the interview if you listen to it. And uh, he responded you know, very politely, tacitly, and just said, yeah, you know, I'll, I'm going to look into that. That's a good point that somebody was raising about the free market uh, and, and its involvement with the capitalist system and being a better option where you're comparing that to a Canada style system of healthcare for all. Anyway, give it a listen, guys. Um, coming back into the show right now, I wanted to talk a little bit about this bill that the government, uh, the government, this bill that the Democrats have put forth. And it is called the PRO Act, Protecting the Right to Organize. Now, no, it has nothing to do with freedom of speech. It has nothing to do with the right to protest, as you would think might appeal to the broader American culture. It just simply is cronyism in a nice, tight, lefty package. Because this is solely aimed at increasing the size and power of unions as a group, at the expense of the workers. Because as I've talked about before on the show, and as most libertarians know already, unions are nothing but bad for the free market. They're nothing but bad for competition. They are a detriment to the working class people who have, now, you know, if you get into a union, maybe you make a little bit more at the, at, you know, force of coercion for a certain amount of time, but then you start having things happen like, oh yeah, you're, industry's going to go bankrupt. Oh, yeah, I forgot. It's a corrupt organization from top to bottom. Oh, yeah. If you don't want to join an organization, they might violently attack you. Oh, yeah. All of the politicians are in cronyist unionist pockets, so we now have crony capitalism writ large, which means we can't even have an honest free market or competition because of the influx of unions. Now, this act specifically brings up a couple points, which I strongly agree with. and I'm reading from a uh, a byline which is from Representative 10 Ted Budd uh, to the hill, where he lays out the problems with this pro act, starting off with the fact that they are trying to eliminate something called the ambush election rule. As of right now they have a specific time period where you cannot have a union vote without giving people enough time to look at their options, to debate the benefits or drawbacks of joining a union before having a vote. And of course, in a lot of circumstances, if you have a union vote, then the union has the power and people are uh, coerced to join. So this would eliminate the ambush election rule, shortening the time span in election processes. Now, This, of course, gives a huge advantage to union bosses because nobody knows the other options as far as what the downside to joining a union is, especially when a lot of the employees are probably already likely to be in a union. Second, and this one's pretty pretty potent, the PRO Act increases liability for businesses by expanding the definition of joint employer to include indirect control and unexercised potential control over employees. Now, Ted Budd points out this is one hell of a broad and ambiguous term. Indirect control. So, what exactly would that mean? Are you, if you're a big box employer, if you're a, a huge corporation and you subcontract to a smaller business, let's say Amazon, which subcontracts to any number of delivery companies, including USPS, are they now in indirect control? of those employees because those employees are de facto working for them two steps removed. Amazon is paying their company. Their company is paying them. So do they now fall under this definition of joint employer? By which case are they allowed to now take labor disagreements and sue the parent company that is paying them in this two-step process? Certainly seems like it. And Ted Budd provides a backup for this. According to the international franchise association, The definition changed where it has been enacted led to a 93% increase in lawsuits against franchise businesses, costing them over $33 billion annually and leading to a loss of 376,000 jobs. Now, the other thing is unexercised potential control. How the fuck can you possibly quantify a phrase like that? Unexercised potential control over an employee? If it's unexercised, there's no control. And if it's potential control, you're simply presuming that a company would or would not do something without any factual evidence to back it up. So this act would then enable people to go after companies or franchises or corporations based upon a presumption of what may or may not happen? Are women allowed to go in and report rape based on a nefarious look from somebody who may or may not have raped them? How do you even put language like this into a bill? I mean, Jesus! Ah, expanding on. The PRO Act also compels people to join a union or risk being fired because, of course, these lefties hate right-to-work laws. Yes, the laws that establish an individual's right to go and join a company and get paid a wage which he or she negotiates on his or her or shiz or shim's home, whatever the proper terms may be, Them zone. They want to make sure that you no longer have that right. And if there is a union in place at a company, you are forced to join that union. Even if you negotiated your own segment, if you join the company on your own volition with no union input, you are going to be forced to pay into that union because obviously, despite the fact that you had the wherewithal, had the go-get-it attitude to go and negotiate your own salary outside of the union cronious bullshit that happens, you are benefiting by the union's existence and thus you must give them money. And to wrap it up, the PRO Act also, and this is especially, especially disgusting and disturbing to me. The PRO Act strips workers the right to cast anonymous votes in union elections. Currently, you could go in, you cast your vote, you can say, I want to have my vote kept secret because, you know, obviously, knowing that unions are full of fucking thugs and criminals at the most part, and you see this, this is not me. And and look, yeah, I know. Every union is not the same. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, there's a lot of ample evidence to back up my claims uh, in real life terms, wherein they are violent thugs. They are fucking criminals. They have no problem using intimidation tactics as we have seen throughout history. So this PRO Act wants to eliminate the option to cast a secret ballot or an unpublicized ballot. It forces employees to make their choice public about unionizing. I wonder what's gonna happen if you make your vote public and the union finds out that you voted against them. I mean, let's just say you're in the union, you enjoy your union benefits at the expense of every other worker. Now, and of course the public at large, Let's say you find out that your union did not get taken up. You know, they test that voting. Ah, shucks. We lost by 15 votes. Maybe you're going to be a little pissed off. Maybe you're going to be angry about that. Maybe you're going to want to know who cast a vote that cost you all of your not hard-earned dollars. Well, then you might go track down that person and want to have maybe elicit some violence against them. Maybe you're going to have another union vote scheduled. Maybe you work your cronies magic to have another vote and you go and intimidate the living hell out of the people that voted no the last time. Certainly seems like something that would happen to me. So anyway, good job to Ted Budd. I don't know anything about him. He's a Republican out of North Carolina, but he is 100% dead on with this byline and I'm very glad he wrote it. Again, you can find this at the show notes page, lions of liberty.com forward slash ELL 151. All right, let me wrap this thing up. A couple quickies. YouTube is going to delete all the accounts that aren't commercially viable, quote unquote, commercially viable, starting December 10th. Now, I know your mind's already racing saying, Well, that's ridiculous considering YouTube's policies are demonetizing all sorts of content creators, including many friends of ours on this program. Some of the greatest content creators, some of the greatest reporters I know are making their money off YouTube. They publish content, they get clicks, they get views, they get subscribes, and I know that they have been demonetized. Now, Lions of Liberty, we're already demonetized. We're already banned from having any any ad revenue come our way. However, other people are doing... Arguably less offensive content. <laughs> at least it's not opinion content, I guess. They're just simply reporting the news. They're going to rallies, they're documenting it, and they're pushing it out there. But again, that shouldn't even matter. We're talking about a content platform that is imposing its leftist viewpoint on the world by virtue of saying that it violates the content of their platform's rules, again, that they make up on the spot as they go. So now YouTube is going to take "Quote unquote commercially viable channels, i.e., the channels that they don't themselves demonetize or mute or bury in the search rankings, and and that was something that came out too. I didn't even get a chance to talk about is the proof that Google does in fact, despite their congressional testimony, but they don't. You don't see them going up there. They do in fact put down certain sites. They do in fact make sure that people don't show up in, in search results. This was just came uh, just came out recently." Maybe I'll talk about it, uh, (laughs) two weeks from now, too many things guys. When I miss a week between, this is why I don't like to have many guests on. I don't like to do these special shows because every time I do, I fall so far behind that it is just a avalanche of news for me to get through. And it's hard for me to pick and choose what I want to talk about. But anyway, so YouTube's going to demonetize these accounts. And now they're saying that it's not, they, they have nothing against freedom of speech. They have nothing against, you know, content creators coming out and they want more diverse voices, right? that's what like YouTube CEO said, we want more diverse voices out here. And yet they simply demonetize the channels that they don't like, that they don't agree with politically. And those channels immediately become non-commercially viable for YouTube, i.e. for Google. Because it's not commercially viable for you as a content creator. That's not the definition they're using. It's commercially viable for them to continue to host you. And if they're not getting a cut Of your revenue, if they're not able to get clicks that they can then push ads in front of, or I guess mine enough data from by their definition, because you're demonetized, because they're putting you on a a shadow ban list, well then, oops, you're not commercially viable anymore to us. And thus, your channel is deleted. Isn't that a clever way of going about draconian big brother censorship and making it seem as though it's free market capitalism? amazing how that works. Okay, last story. Let's talk about an evil corporation as a whole that did the right thing for once. And that is Disney and Disney Plus launch. My wife and I got it. We have been watching it. I watched The Mandalorian. Um, it's okay. I don't know. A lot of people are going gaga for it. It's okay. It's got a little bit of the a, a little bit too much George Lucas cuteness uh, in it for me in a couple scenes, but overall it's interesting I'm going to continue to watch it. It didn't blow my socks off or anything, but I'm going to continue to watch it um, but Disney plus has some old movies that obviously have some tropes and some stereotypes and some depictions of characters, especially of specific racial types that don't jive with our sensibilities today and instead of going back and changing them instead of going back and deleting scenes instead of saying we do we we are absolutely wrong. This content will never see the light of day again. They did the right thing. And they simply put a little warning, which I, again, I'm even i I'm even annoyed by the warning. <laughs> they essentially trigger warned their own content. But composed or, uh, compared to the alternative, I will take this trigger warning. But they warn people before they go into the app. They say, hey, if you're going to watch this movie, let's say it is... Zippity-doo-dah, right? Is that what that movie is called? I think it was called Zippity-doo-dah. Or if you, you know, before you watch uh, Br'er Rabbit, you have to know that this might have, quote, outdated cultural depictions. Fine. Cool, Disney. I'm down with it, man. Glad you told me. I'm fine with watching culturally outdated uh, depictions. I'm an intelligent thinking person. I know the times have changed. And I'm totally fine seeing something from a different era because I'm not a moron. I do understand that there are different eras as far as the evolution of culture and society. And I do understand that certain things, certain principles cannot be appealed or applied across an infinite span of time. And only somebody that is borderline not to be trusted with a glue stick without the danger that they might eat it would realize this. I'm not specifically saying this is people that are on the left, but, you know, when you look at the social justice warrior culture, when you look at people attacking people from different time periods and demonizing them, despite the fact that they were trying to do the right thing, let's say the founding fathers, for example, and deciding that despite their lofty goals, despite the aspirations that have laid the track for the rest of the culture to achieve what we have achieved, that they should be unforgiven. I'm not going to sing the song. I sang a Bon Jovi song two episodes ago. And, uh, I'm not going to do another one. They call me unforgiven. All right, anyway, that's going to wrap it up, guys. Uh, I got to do another show. <laughs> so make sure, guys, tune in to Mark Claire every Monday with his in-depth interviews with leaders in the libertarian movement. Uh, he had Monica Perez on last show, which was a really interesting interview with her. Again, John Odermatt comes to the forefront with Felony Fridays, and his episode last Friday Great one to share because it didn't really go deep into libertarianism, and we do feel Felony Friday is kind of our bridge. It's our gateway drug to libertarianism because it talks about the justice system, the inequality, the cronyism, the corruption within it without really pushing libertarianism to the forefront, but it's just there in the background the entire time. But he had on an Irish detective talking about some notorious cases, which was pretty fun uh, and very interesting. And... God, you know, I totally forgot to talk about Joe Biden saying that that weed's a marijuana drug and he won't legalize it. All right, one quick minute on that. Yes, Joe Biden's an idiot. How, I mean, is there anything to, to define just how old Joe Biden is and how stupid Joe Biden is that a man going out in today's era where something 90% of the country and 99% of liberals support legalizing marijuana and saying that it's a gateway drug, the most outdated phrase that has been disproven time and time again? Joe, maybe if marijuana was legal, your goddamn eye wouldn't explode with blood. You can take some weed for that glaucoma, buddy. You can stop walking into telephone poles. You can find the children's heads you want to sniff so much easier. Right now, Joe Biden's going around sniffing dog heads. He's sniffing fire hydrants that happen to have a wig on him. He doesn't know who to sniff and fondle. Get that weed, Joe. But if there's one thing we do know, it is that politics is a gateway drug to being a complete and total fucking asshole. That's gonna do it gang from me Brian McWilliams from the Lions of Liberty and from Electric Liberty Land always stay plugged into liberty